When I was in graduate school, one of my favorite professors used to say that one of his favorite times of year was the last week of each semester. It's easier to feel that way as a professor. Uh, he, he called it a time of great synthesis. He said he could almost feel it in the air, the energy of students preparing for final papers and exams, striving to weave all those disparate strands of knowledge they had learned during the term into what was hopefully a convincing and coherent tapestry. And at the time, I used to sometimes roll my eyes when he would say things like that because I was wearily in the midst of studying myself. At the same time, I knew on one level that he was right, that integration is hard work, but it's essential for transforming mere data, facts, and information into wisdom. We live in this information age. We're overwhelmed with data, with information, with facts, with things to read on our worldwide web, but it's that next W of wisdom, of what's worth reading and what's not, and what really matters that's essential, and that's part of integration. And I tried in last week's sermon on lost Christianities and banned books of the Bible to distill in approximately 20 minutes the core lessons from the nine hours that I've spent lecturing about that topic at Frederick Community College this fall. Um, some of you at least found it uh, at least helpful and not just a torrent of information. And this week I want to make similar eff- a similar effort in regard to this 10-week class on building your own theology that we've been doing this fall here at UUCF. And before this class began, I did preach a sermon back in early September titled Building Your Own Theology. So this sermon is a sort of sequel. So if you aren't here for that sermon, I'll, I'll link to it in the sermon manuscript and you can um, look at that if you would like to, to get some of the context for this sermon. That being said, the goal of the Building Your Own Theology curriculum is to work on articulating what you believe and why, and to do that in conversation with other Unitarian Universalists as well as with theologians, philosophers, and other thinkers throughout history. You heard a few few of the results of that class earlier this morning. And for those of you who are unable to attend the class, one goal of this sermon is to perhaps inspire you to do some reflection, maybe even some writing on your own about what you believe and why. Accordingly, perhaps the most important point to make about building a 21st century Unitarian Universalist theology relates to what is known as the liberal turn in theology. And the liberal turn in theology is precisely the move from a theology that is constrained by tradition, by hierarchy, by community, to one that views reason, feelings, and experience as equally legitimate points of theological reflection. So instead of being expected to believe a doctrine or a piece of dogma because it allegedly has always been that way, that almost never turns out to be the case, but because it's always been that way, because religious leaders tell you so, or because that's what, you know, that's what everyone thinks, so you have to believe that, liberal theology insists that human reason human logic, as well as individual feelings and individual experience. What you know to be true because you've experienced it in the crucible of your own first-hand experience. That those are essentially important to building your theology. One that has relevance. One that has integrity. 
And although the prospect of building your own theology can be liberating and exhilarating, the actual process of deconstructing obsolete beliefs and then reconstructing a new framework for beliefs and practices is hard work. You've likely either experienced that for yourself, or if you talk to some of those members who were attended the 10-week class, I think they will, will tell you that it's hard work. A do-it-yourself theology can be most worthwhile, but the challenge in the end, as the old saying goes, is to ensure that the freedom liberalism gives leaves us genuinely set free, genuinely set free from the oppressive parts of our past, but not cast adrift, which is how we can sometimes find ourselves. And for those who didn't take the class, I will offer you a way of getting started. The three questions that we invited all the members of the class to respond to in our first session were the following. First, what are some significant religious beliefs that you cherish, that you cherish today? What are some religious beliefs that you deeply cherish? Two, what are some significant religious beliefs from your personal history that you've rejected What beliefs have you rejected and why? And three, what are some religious issues with which you are currently struggling and would like to explore? Those three questions alone can get you a long way in the process of building your theology. And I should perhaps also add that building your own theology is potentially something that's worth doing regularly, maybe at least once a decade or at different points in your life, especially in the wake of a major life change. In that spirit, I love the passage from poet Rainer Maria Rilke's Letters to a Young Poet, in which he offers these words of wisdom. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given to you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. And perhaps you will gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day further down the river into the answer. And I appreciate those words from Rilke, both because of the honesty that we'll never have all the answers from our finite human perspective, as well as his insistence ultimately on action, on living the questions, not just on theory. And I'll readily admit that I don't have all the answers, and I fully expect that my theology will continue to evolve as I live the questions. Nevertheless, after facilitating 10 sessions of building your own theology recently, I'll share with you briefly some of the cornerstones of my current credo, which is very much a work still under construction. I shared with them a a credo as well, not this one, but one from back in 2005, and the first question I got afterwards was, do you still believe that? And I said, no, actually I don't, but, and I'll tell you why, but that would be for another time. Um, So here's some things that I do believe, at least for now. I believe that behavior is believable, often much more so than words. I believe in cultivating firsthand religious experience, in exploring what we can know in the crucible of our own direct experience for ourselves, not just secondhand from someone else. I believe that our talk about the divine, the sacred, or simply reality, 
must be informed by the best of 21st century knowledge, not only the best sources of process and feminist and liberation theologies, but also of quantum physics, of big history, 13.7 billion year old history, and deep time. Time that recognizes that we live in a universe that has somewhere upwards of 100 billion galaxies, not solar systems, galaxies. I believe that there is no perfect past to which we can return, because Eden, in whatever form of that mythic tale, never existed in the first place. But nevertheless, stories of exemplary lives and communities, as well as myths and archetypes, can still inspire us to live bolder, more beautiful, inclusive, and transformative lives. I believe there is no single perfect way to live in the present. I believe in pluralism, not relativism, pluralism. But we can refine, uh, we can find pragmatic touchstones at the intersection of tradition, reason, and experience. And I believe there's no perfect utopia ahead of us in the future, but that we can still freely choose love, solidarity, and hope, and that in so doing, we can make a real difference in this world, improving the lives of ourselves and others. As I said, I don't have all the answers, but those are some of the ways that I'm currently living the questions, and I'm grateful to be on this journey with all of you in doing so. In our closing session for Building Your Own Theology, one of the final reflection questions asked about the significance of the theology that we had spent the past few weeks articulating. How does the theology you have built interfere with your life? What difference does it make in the way you live? What are the main obstacles in living your convictions? What concrete steps might you take to bring your life in line with your theology? And what will you do differently having built your theology? For me, one of the ways that my theology interferes with my life is that it regularly calls me out of myself from what I might just do otherwise, floating down the river. It continually challenges me to stand up and to join with others in making this world a better place for all people. And although I do believe that building your own theology can be a constructive, helpful practice, ultimately we Unitarian Universalists are a big tent movement that explicitly makes room for drawing from six diverse sources. They're printed on the back of your order of service, and we use those six sources in shaping our communal life together. And in recognizing our theological diversity, you heard some of it this morning, we like to remind ourselves that you don't have to believe alike to love alike. And despite the diverse theologies that we're continually building and rebuilding, we emphasize in the end that we value deeds over creeds. Concrete actions of working for justice, standing on the side of love, and building the beloved community.